0: Is there any news this week? I mean, there's Mouse getting banned. Do we want to do we want to court controversy? I sure, <laughs>
1: let's do it. What what got banned? Miles, Mouse, the the book by uh, Art Spiegelman. Oh, I I know nothing about this. Y- you know about the book, right? You know the no. You're not familiar with Mouse? No, I'm not. Uh, it's a classic uh, allegory about the uh, Holocaust. Uh, written by written and drawn by a uh, first generation American or second generation, I guess, because uh, his, his parents would have been the first. Um, but, you know, it's about his parents' experience through the Holocaust. And, you know, so instead of, of, you know, depicting characters as humans, they are uh, uh, the Jews are mice, the Nazis are cats, the French are frogs, um, and it, it is a two-volume set, and it's just an amazing story about his family's experience. And it got it, it, it's it like won. Uh, I want to say it was a Pulitzer, as well as uh, no, Eisner. Eisner, but I feel like it won yeah. uh, it won a, a literary award outside of the genre.
2: It, it, it sounds fascinating.
1: Well, it's 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 yeah,
2: Pulitzer for literature. That's what I thought. Okay. So yeah. anyway, it's it's this
1: amazing uh, bit of, uh, of graphic novel really demonstrating the heights that a graphic novel can go to in a literary sense. And it got banned from a uh, school system uh, because, you know, it's got the swear words in it and and cartoon nudity, <laughs> you know, of mice. I feel like we're and,
0: having the conversation right now about sorry. mouse. Yeah, sorry <laughs> about that. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I think – yeah, so – in Tennessee, they unanimously voted to remove it. It's fucking to ridiculous. Your point, yeah. It is. Yeah. And then, the, you know, they're like, well, it's not the, you know, we, of course we respect it. We're not trying to hide the Holocaust, blah, blah, blah. You know, but we feel like it has themes and um, you know, it has subject matter. Not not necessarily the Holocaust, but like they like said, nudity and profanity that was inappropriate for our students. Well, it is now the uh, the the Book Volume 1 is the second best-selling book on Amazon, and The Complete Mouse is the
1: fourth best-selling book on Amazon right now. It is – like, I, I have to tell you, I, I, that is a book that I go back and I read just about every year. I mean there is there is so much good about that book. Um, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like reading The Diary of Anne Frank. I mean it just tells you so much about humanity, and there's always something else to find in that story i mean it is a it is a great piece of literature much less a a great comic book and i am dumbfounded by by stupid people who are like yeah we're gonna ban art we're gonna ban this thing that challenges people uh that that documents you know a terrible time in human history and and, you know Art Spiegelman, I think, had a quote this week where he's like, you know, uh, there should be things that shock you in that story. They murdered millions of people. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> I, I just. it, I am dumbfounded by by that. You know, I mean, th- the next step is that they're going to start banning Greek mythology, you know, because, you know, Zeus has sex with his daughter. <laughs> you know, I mean, gods do awful things in mythology, so let's ban that. And by the way, let's ban the
2: Bible, you know, okay. or is similar. It spelled, is it spelled M-A-U-S? Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I was searching mouse like M-O-U-S-E. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> then it was not easy to find on Amazon. It is
1: It is an amazing story. It really is. I, is just, it? I and, and it bounces back and forth between... Uh, Spiegelman in Current Day, uh, and his father and mother back in back in the times of the war, and it's ju- it's just an amazing story. So I i, just, it, I mean, highly recommend it for
0: sure if you've if you've never read, it, I mean it's a heartbreaker, right? I mean it's a oh it Holocaust. is. I mean, it, don't it, go in expecting
1: to leave it feeling good. Well, and it. It documents the dysfunction in his family as a result of the Holocaust. You know, it it, it it was an indelible mark on his mother and his father, and it changed their relationships with each other as well as with their son. And, I, I mean, it is just, it, it is, uh, it, it is just I, wrenching. I just bought the complete edition off of Amazon. It is so good. You're, you're going to love it, Wayne. It is really good. We, we brought another one to the fold, Paul. Right. It only took 12 years, but we we brought another one to the fold.
0: (laughs) I mean, I got to be honest, I'm genuinely surprised that you have not that you haven't read it, but that you hadn't heard of it. And that just goes to show you that Wayne lives in a school district that has (laughs) hidden (laughs) it from him. Has hidden mouse from him. (laughs) Hidden mouse from him. Not that I read it in school, but, you know,
1: (laughs) But, you know, I could totally see me reading that in grade school. You know, I was, from yeah. the time I was in fourth grade on, I was spending every moment I could in the library, you know, reading books on, on mythology and history and whatnot. Uh, I could totally have seen myself, you know, reading that kind of thing. But we didn't have comic books in our library back in those days. Same here. You know, I had to get my comic books on the streets. <laughs> Walking uphill both ways through the snow.
0: Yeah. It, it is actually snowing here. Oh, we should probably start the podcast
2: before we roll into this casual conversation. Okay. By streets, I mean Target was my, the first place I bought one. No, Kmart. I had to go to a
1: shop on the other side of the train tracks in an alley, one of those back alley comic book stores. There were some comments on Twitter this week uh, that tickled me to no end. Uh, We had uh, posted, I guess, a a week ago, the 2021 Funny Book Awards, our 12th annual Funny Book Awards. And uh, mm -hmm, our good mm -hmm, friend mm -hmm, Neil mm -hmm. Dalton responded with, 12th annual? 12th annual? I've been listening to Ideology of Madness and Funny Books for 12 years. What have I done with my life? (laughs) And, you know... I find myself asking the same question, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, <laughs> because we have
0: to spend double the time because one of us actually has to edit the damn thing. Yeah, yes. yeah, the, <laughs> that's
1: an exaggeration. Double the time, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway, it tickled me. I, I got, I got, a, I got a big kick out of that, Neil. But well, wait, uh, wait,
0: Neil, we are, we are glad you were probably.
1: One of the, the the few that can say they've listened to
0: all 12 of our Funny Book Awards. That's right. I haven't even listened to all, the, all 12 of our,
1: our Funny Book Awards. And you even edited this one.
0: <laughs> and I even edited this
1: one. <laughs> those are those – are, that's Paul demonstrating his sharp, sharp editing uh, prowess. <laughs> cut off the beginning, cut off the end, slap on the music. <laughs> that's too funny. Well, um, Paul – Yes, sir. I understand that you have uh, been up to some extracurricular activities.
0: I have. Last weekend, not even last weekend, this Wednesday, three days ago. Gosh, time has flown since my life changed. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I I threw up the signal on Wednesday night. And after work, I swung by my local Little
1: Caesars and picked up my (laughs) Batzoni. I, you know, so, I saw the picture of your
2: Bat-Zony, Paul. It doesn't look like yeah. a bat to me. So well, the funny thing <laughs> is, they had that exact item that they didn't call it the Bat-Zony no. like a month ago. It was ago. The, like the
0: Little Caesars, you know, Little Zony or some crap. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so they've shaped it a little bit like a bat. Like, the, be, mine doesn't look as much like a bat because the, the ricotta started oozing out of the bat head. Oh, <laughs> so it kind God. of hides <laughs> the ears. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the Batman, this, this three-hour Matt Reeves serious Batman masterpiece movie has a, a tie-in with your local Little Caesars where you can order a half-pizza, half-calzone bat Um And uh, it's uh, – I mean, to be fair, I don't recommend it. Like, it's really not good. But <laughs> well, it is from Little Caesars. The pizza Caesars. part is fine. <laughs> the pizza part is fine, but the the
2: Zoney part of it <laughs> – I don't know. It has a weird consistency. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm with you, Paul. I tried this thing before they folded it to look like a bat, and <laughs> I found it rather disappointing.
0: Yeah. But you know, so I, I, I. But I did my civic duty for this podcast, and I ordered the Bat Zoni. You know, it makes me wonder what other Batman movie tie-ins will there be you <laughs> know, when, when it comes out. Will there be toys at McDonald's?
1: Will there be Pancakes at IHOP.
0: Now you well, see, and,
1: pancakes can pancakes work because you could actually mold those like a bat shape, right? Fair, fair, you know. Fair. Or you
2: could even do bat-shaped eggs. You could do one of those little egg press things. Well, and we know you can do bat-shaped, you know, hamburgers because Paul did that right. for the first uh, I did Fandome. for the first DC fandom. Uh, the second time,
0: I just ordered uh, Superman cupcake toppers. Yeah, yeah. But Yeah, so, I mean, if if you are morbidly curious, Little Caesars has your Batzoni, and I will keep an eye out, because I'm very curious as to what other stupid-ass tie-ins that movie will have. Because you never know. You know, we're coming up on, I know it's January, but summer movie season really kind of starts in March nowadays, Mm -hmm. because I think that's when Batman comes out. So, you know, you always get those tie you know, you think about tie-ins, it's always your McDonald's, your Burger King, um, Little Caesars,
2: IHOP. I think Denny's had one once with... uh, the Star Wars Han Solo movie. So That's just another service Paul provides, buying the dumbass tie-in so you don't <laughs> have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know, I mean,
0: it, not that anything has been good since the superhero burger at McDonald's when Batman Forever came out. That's the pinnacle. Wow. You're, you're,
1: so your memory goes way back. Wow. When it comes to food. <laughs> that's why I look well, the way I do. When it comes to bad food. Wow. <laughs> fair. You know, wow. Yeah, fair. I mean, that, that's true. Well, you know, I gotta say, I am one of the many people who has been underwhelmed by the Book of Boba Fett. However, this week's episode, which featured no Boba Fett whatsoever,
2: was great. Uh, yeah, like I think I had actually decided I just wasn't interested and I wasn't going to watch the show anymore. Uh-huh. And I was told, you know, you have to watch this episode. It's really just an episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah. So I got caught up on the show and realized I didn't need to get caught up. I could have just watched this. Episode completely by itself without watching the previous oh, really? episode. Yeah, which is good yeah. to know
0: because I'm—I I gotta tell you—I'm three episodes behind on Boba Fett. I've only yeah. seen the first two, which is unusual for me. Right, because you're a the Star Wars first guy. Two yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but Paul, out of the five episodes, the first two left me so underwhelmed. I'm like, eh, I'll get caught up at some point.
2: Yeah, Paul, we are not exaggerating. Boba Fett is not in this episode. He has only mentioned one Yeah, he is mentioned really once. an episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah. With
0: Interesting. Hep- so, wh- so why? What what is Boba Fett doing? Has he been captured? Is what, he in his Bacta tank? In the, pre-
1: in the previous episode, he has finished all of his Bacta tank therapy, and he is amassing an army to uh, you know take out the the rival gang that's trying to take over all of Tatooine, and so he's he's built he's recruiting, and so we run into Mando, uh, and I gotta tell you. The fact that they based, uh, so much of that episode on a ring world was m- mind blowing. I mean, I just, I was like, you know, this demonstrates how deep the cuts are in the, uh, in the Star Wars shop there at, at Disney. Uh, these guys are science fiction fans and to just casually throw in a ring world in the story was, was super exciting. It was just cool to see. Um, but, uh, you know, Mando is there. He has reunited with, uh, the survivors of the Mandalorian tribe. Uh, he, their, you know, business occurs. He has some Beskar converted into some armor for Grogu and mentions Grogu by name and that he wants to go see Grogu and, uh, uh, then winds up back on Tatooine because, you know, he's gonna pick up a ship from Amy Sedaris's character. I can't remember her name. Uh, who apparently used to date a Jawa. They're very furry. Uh, um, and then builds his new ship. I mean there's a, and while you're like, you know, I really don't need to see them building this new ship, it was actually pretty cool. It was a pretty cool montage of him building oh, his new ship. So
0: Mando is a new ship. I mean this does sound like an episode of Mando.
1: It is, it's completely an episode of Mandalorian. It really is. Yeah. And it complete with it starting
2: off with him doing a bounty.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it, it huh. ends up with, you know, uh, uh, Ming-Na Wen uh, appears and says, hey, you know, uh, hiring some guys for, for Boba Fett. Uh, are you interested in work? And he's, he's like, yeah, but you don't have to pay me. I'll, I'll do this, you know, uh, gratis, but I got to go see a friend first. And so I'm not sure if that if we're going to see that in the next episode or if he'll be returning from that in the next episode. But uh, literally no Boba Fett in this episode, and that was the, what I just told you, was the only mention of Boba Fett in this
2: episode. And there were huge, huge story moments for Mandalorian. Yeah. He got, besides getting a new ship, they dealt with something that I thought of as a plot hole, which is the whole fact of the Darksaber has to be one in combat, yet when, uh, I can't think of the character's name now, I are talking about Bo-Katan? Uh, yes. When Bo-Katan originally got it, it was just handed to her. And it's like, well, why does it have to be wanting combat if it was just handed right. to her? Well, they dealt with that. Yeah. And they they dealt with so much that is major Mandalorian plot that it is a necessary episode yeah. of Mandalorian. And, th- I mean,
1: they addressed a lot of stuff. I mean, that's just one element of that. But they also you know, dealt with the fact that he had removed his helmet um and what the consequences of that were uh he gets challenged for the sword i mean it a lot of stuff a lot of mando's story happens in this episode
2: hmm. that's not in his series <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it is essential mando yeah, it really watching, is watching and not a boba fett episode in any way yeah so here's a question for you
0: you know who have seen it do they show um, Pedro Pascal's face. No, not in this no, episode. No.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm but sure he wasn't
0: actually there, but you know, I was just curious. Yeah.
1: But it was great. I, I recommend you do not need to see a, another episode of Boba Fett, but you do need to watch this episode. Number five of, you know, the secret episode of Mandalorian.
0: Yeah. I've not heard anything good about the episodes I've missed except for this one.
1: Well, I will say the last episode got a little better, but okay. you know, and I feel like they're finally getting somewhere, but, uh, you know, I, I would feel really uh, squirrely where I, you know, the I forget the actor's name who plays Boba Fett, but uh, I, I would feel really bad about the best episode of my series I'm not in, you know, yeah, and, I, and it that's was kind of rough. Yeah. You know?
2: It was directed by um, I cannot remember the woman's name, but <laughs> she Bryce Dallas Bryce
1: Dallas. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So she, I mean, she's done some of the best episodes of Mandalorian. But you know, I don't think the direction was the issue in those other episodes.
1: I really feel yeah. feel like in those other episodes, it was the writing and the acting. Um, I mean, there are there are elements that I've really liked. I enjoyed his relationship with the Tuscan Raiders. Um, yeah. I liked I liked getting a little in deep uh, a little deeper into that you know sort of tribal culture. But some of the other stuff, I'm like, you know, uh, the guy who's playing Boba. is kind of a one-note actor, and that really gets tedious. And he's, you know, he spends almost all of his time outside of the armor, and he's a lot more interesting in
2: the armor, you know, much like, like he read, Yeah, which he even says in the last episode, the one before this one, you know, that he uh, he needs the armor back because he's not as imposing without right. it. Right. Then why don't you ever wear it?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: And, you know, I mean, I'm glad he's he's building an army around him because his uh, two pig guards just aren't cutting it for me. You know, he, he doesn't – he needs to be much more imposing in his courtly presence. And, you know, uh,
2: why, why do you even hire them? They have failed everyone. everyone
1: yes, <laughs> everyone. They are the worst fighters. So I do love that Danny Trejo is the, uh, you know, uh, Rancor trainer. that that's great i'm like okay i'm down for this but you know my problem is that i like everybody else on the screen so much better than i like boba fett yeah which is a shame you know i guess we'll see because i think there it's an eight episode
0: show so there's only three episodes
1: left yeah yeah so anyway i you know i hope we get more mando i hope that wasn't the only shot of mando we get in this because that was a lot of fun and you know what else is a lot of fun paul what's that dc versus all them vampires all
0: damn vampires. Yeah. I don't think that's the name. I think it's just DC versus. I think, vampires. I think it's I actually. I think, just,
1: I, think, I think it's actually called All Dem Vampires. All Them Vampires. No, it's all if all it's dem that. all dem. Yeah, it was a waste of opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> maybe for the sequel, they
0: Still needed not. to consult Aaron. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, yeah. So DC versus all Them vampires issue four <laughs> came out um, this week, and we have really been enjoying this series. In fact, I think we referred to it on the funnies. Um, but you know, it was still only three episodes or three issues in, so you know, didn't quite meet our, uh, our at least my criteria for best uh, you know mini series of the year. But issue four came out this week, and you know, it, it's one. You know, it's we, dear listener. Nick, your Neil, Neil. Well, uh, Nick also, because we have a Nick. We have uh-huh. a Nick who listens to we us. We do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nick and Neil. Um, you know, we we talk before the podcast. On what? Hey, what what do we want to talk about? You know, and we go through the books that we all read, and and everyone's like, I don't have anything new to say about DC versus vampires. So I'm like, I do on this issue. So, I gotta say, I you know, I well, we have certainly enjoyed the series. I feel like this issue was like another level. Like this issue I felt for me was the best issue by far in an already good series. And it's, it's two sequences essentially or two scenes. It's Constantine with Zaytana uh-huh. and it's Batman versus green arrow in the Batcave. cave. Yeah. And I, you know, both of them were just so extreme. I mean, I guess there's the one with, um, there's, there's another scene, but those are the two main sequences. Yeah. Um, and the scene with Batman and green arrow yeah, I, I love the Constantine thing because it goes a different way, right? Like they right. just like start conversing because their their friendship overrides her her bloodthirsty desire, and I thought that was great. But when Batman and Green Arrow start fighting, and he's like, "You come for me in my own house," I was like, "Damn!" Like that is just <laughs> badass. And then you know, Green Arrow's like, "Well, that's where you were. <laughs> you know, because well, they got this two page spread with them just beating the tar out of each other before they realize like. Oh, neither wait, one of them is a vampire. With... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Neither yeah. one of yeah. us is a vampire. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that's what and I love I... about this book. You know, I, you're right. The It does feel like we went up a notch in terms of the tension and storytelling in this book. And mm-hmm. uh, I very much appreciate the tension that goes through because, like, every time I see one of our characters alone, I'm like, oh God, this is, this is where things are going to get bad for Barbara. You know, I was like, you know, because I, I, like most guys, I adore Barbara Gordon, Batgirl. You know, she she is I, – I don't want anything bad to happen to Barbara. I've, bad stuff's already happened to Barbara. She's had enough. Leave Barbara the hell alone. And so, like, you know, there's that moment where Nightwing shows up in the window, and I'm like, is he really Nightwing? Has Nightwing already been turned? Is he going to kill Barbara? But
0: that's what's great about this book. Like,
1: yeah. every time someone comes into uh-huh. a scene, it's like, oh, which one's the vampire? Right, right. But, you know, the, the – uh, Scene with uh, Gorilla Grod, you know, Gorilla Grod vampire mm-hmm. is awesome. I, yes. I I love those pages, and you know, it, it reminds me of another great gorilla scene this week in Peacemaker, where uh, the the uh, alien possessed uh, gorilla is attacking the team, and Economos cuts him down
2: the middle with a chainsaw. It was fucking yeah. Awesome. During the course of the <laughs> same week, we saw. An ape be a butterfly and an ape be a bat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Great. So, I mean, I, I cannot recommend this book enough. And I love the ending because it's, you know, Batman and Green Arrow have 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 come to terms like, OK, you know, we're on the same side. And then Wonder Woman shows up. And you at this point, we know that wow. Wonder Woman's a vampire. <laughs> right. And my dog's barking. So I apologize for that. Well,
1: she's upset uh, that Wonder Woman's a
0: vampire. She is. She's warning me. That's right. <laughs> that Wonder Woman yeah. is a vampire and, and not to be trusted. But I love that Green
2: Arrow's like – are we sure? Because, like, I'm shooting at her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I loved all of that well, for well. me. I loved all that. But for me, the real highlight was that uh, Constantine's antenna conversation mm-hmm. yeah. that he knows instantly she's a vampire and just binds her so they can talk because they're friends yeah. and someone else shows up and, you know, deals with her and he's pissed off because that's his friend, whether she's a vampire or not.
0: Yeah. So it's it's just such a well written book, and I hope it maintains its uh its level of quality, its increasing level of quality because there's you know we're only a third of the way in. Yeah, well but it's really I'm good. really looking forward to seeing where it goes.
1: Yeah. Now, Paul, word on the street <laughs> is that while I abandoned the Detective Comics Weekly uh, after the the first uh, chapter of that story, you stayed in. Is that is that no, true? No, that didn't. is untrue. That is and untrue because because I it's saw a $5 something book. on I saw something on a bathroom wall that said paul reads detective detective comics that's what i said well i mean I, I did this week um
0: ish so you know i hopped out after the first issue of the, of shadows of the bat now here's the thing i liked it you 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 hated it but i liked it but i'm like it is a five dollar weekly book yeah. i can pay sixty dollars for it or i can just wait right <laughs> until it's Free 99 or included in the cost of, you know, something else I purchase, or a dollar an issue. So, I you know, I held off on it. But then, you know, in reading the aforementioned DC versus vampires, the first digital page or if you're probably if you're reading it in paper, I'm sure the, the ad is also present in there is a two page spread advertising Detective Comics issue 1050. A landmark oversized issue, you know, which I mean, to be fair, is it's a normal sized issue of Detective Comics because they're all oversized. Right. Um. That's why they're five dollars. But this issue also included a 10 page. They said it's a prelude. And so this was in the end. This is what inspired me to buy it. It says, you know, also a special prelude to the upcoming um, World's Finest series written by Mark Wave with art by Dan Mora. Um, now, if you're not familiar with, I mean, you have to be familiar with Mark Wade if you're listening to this podcast. Um, if you're not familiar with Dan Moore, you know he is the artist on Once in Future. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff. I mean, he, he, he did, he's a great artist. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> wait, is he? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, so I was like, okay, it's a special prelude. They didn't say a special preview. They said a special prelude. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I mean. So I, I, it, and I, for me, the difference meant that this was original content that was not going to be printed in in the regular issue. Right. And so I picked it up, and I, I'm, you know, I'm reading it, and it, it's a it's a ten page preview, which it, it's it's I enjoyed it. You know, I mean, I, I, would I recommend buying a six dollar book for a ten page preview? No, but you know, I certainly enjoyed those ten pages. The art is great. Dan Moore does a great job. You know, Mark Wade does what Mark Wade does. Um. Yeah, you know, it's honestly for me, it's it's just standard superhero action. But a couple of things didn't sit well with me. One, there are things that happen in these ten pages that cannot possibly not be reprinted in the first issue of that Superman Batman book, or else you would be entirely lost. Um, I feel because it, you know it ends on a cliffhanger that, and I'm, I'm gonna spoil it because I don't think either one of you are like dishing out six bucks for these ten pages. Um, So in the pages of what we see here, these world's finest ten pages, you know, uh, Poison Ivy and Metallo are uh, attacking the Daily Bugle. No, the Daily Planet. Sorry, wrong universe. um, Daily Planet. And, you know, Metallo then stabs Superman in the heart with a red kryptonite knife, injects him in the heart with red kryptonite. And, you know, and and so I think the thing about red kryptonite is that it can do any number of things to Superman. So, you know, it it ends with him, you know, reacting to being stabbed with the red kryptonite. And for a couple of thoughts there, one, I feel like you can, you can't not have that as part of your first issue. Um, But two, it really, really reminded me of Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis's first issue of, of their Batman Superman book from like at this point, 15 years ago, maybe because that book started with metallo shooting superman in the heart with a kryptonite bullet right that was in the first issue of that book so it was just kind of funny like huh everything old is new again <laughs> despite despite a, you know a brand new creative team it was just funny to me how like it totally struck me as this is the same shit i read 15 years ago <laughs> 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 like it's just red kryptonite in the heart instead of green kryptonite in the heart but that's cuz that's how that series all started too but I mean, regardless, I will pick up that you know World Finest issue one whenever it comes out. I, uh, it doesn't say. I think it comes out in February. Is the first okay. issue? Well,
1: that was going to be my question: is did, did the did the preview scare you off? No, I'm, it says on sale in March.
0: No, the preview did not scare me off, and I really liked the art. Um, it, it, you know, I and it's Mark Wade and Dan Moore, who I'm a fan of both of them. So I will ap- I'm going to pick up the first issue regardless. And, but and you know, talk- it was just interesting to me the the similarities. Yeah. from the stories years ago.
1: Well, I apologize. I was absolutely incorrect. Dan Mora had nothing to do with Shinku. That was Lee Motor. Oh, Lee Motor. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. I don't know why I had it in my head as Dan Mora. I clearly, I've not had enough bourbon in my coffee this morning. See, so. <laughs> so your brain's not working yet. <laughs> not have nearly enough. You are to blood in your alcohol stream. And, you know, uh, similarly, uh, you know, I, I identify a great deal with uh, the lead character in the comic, uh, Human Target, because, you know, he drinks be- the minute he gets out of bed in the morning. So uh, uh, I <laughs> I, uh, you I have am to keep a flask by the bed. Aaron. That,
0: that way you don't start off on a deficit.
1: I keep a flask in every jacket that I might wear, you know, just to make sure that I don't walk out of the house without uh, without you know, the support of bourbon. So uh, that is surprisingly brilliant. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's just you, you've you got to, you know, if you're preparing for the day, you know, you're preparing to make it a good day. Right. <laughs> and you do that by drinking continually. So that that's sort of my uh, that's sort of my mantra. But uh, Human Target. First off, I'm just going to start with the cover is such a Marvel Comics cover. Yeah, um, I got to be honest, I didn't pick up the book
0: um, because I didn't the you recognize me it was so like off of what I <laughs> yeah. you know, the other because the other issues. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're all they all have different designed covers. But I think this one just, yeah, totally like the the human target book four of it was lost in all yeah. the, the oh, stuff yeah. on it for me. Yeah. yeah. But,
1: the, but the cover is great. And when you get to the title page in the book, which is like nine pages in, it mm-hmm. is such a Marvel Comics title page. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. To to this great stage of fools, you know, is the the big, you know, grand title of of the uh of the issue. You know, we, we continue to see the countdown clock on our lead character, and you know, you you there is that 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 building sense of urgency that he's got to solve this before he dies. Uh, but I got to tell you, this entire issue, despite the fact that he's. He really does need to get busy about solving, you know, who uh, who poisoned him.
2: Oh, but he got busy in this. Issue.
1: He did. The this I felt as seduced by Ice in this book as he was. This was a straight on. I want the reader to fall in love with this character, and I mean, I. I this book was amazing. I can't yeah. get over how effective the storytelling is and the art is. The art is gorgeous, leaps off the page. Um, I, I, I I was really quite taken by this story. Go, Wayne.
2: Yeah. if, well, if you remember for the funnies, I voted for Ice's favorite supporting character mm-hmm. because just the way he's writing her is just – I mean, she's amazing, but there's all of these subtle things and a lot of it told through the art, not through the actual mm-hmm. dialogue, things like, you know, taking his hand and wrapping hers in it and laying her head against him. All of these minor little things throughout the issue.
1: Well, and so much of this would not work if you didn't have the exceptional skills of, uh, you know, Greg Smallwood on art because there is so much that's said with a glance. And to be able to execute that, to be able to capture the acting of this character on the page, to be able to communicate those feelings. Like, you know, the, the first time that they are writing on the bug, you know, there, it's a four panel page and it's him drinking and her, uh, you know, Sitting beside him on the only seat that's available for a passenger, so they're having to share this you know cramped uh, seat and you know she she looks down you know, away from him, cuddles in, falls asleep, and then really leans into him and you can it's not just her on him, but it's also you know him being distracted from his his bourbon and really observing her. And there's a lot of that in this book where she's doing something, she's the one who's you know engaged in the action and he's watching. And you the expression on his face and particularly in the eyes is really telling. And then you've got this fantastic narrative that supports what the art is telling you on so many different levels.
2: This book is amazing. I love this book. Yeah, well and I love his revelation of about her of she could take out anything that beetle is fighting right in an instant and she's holding back to let him have fun Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a great book that it just screams the character in the series now i'm not going to say these characters are all in character based on what we've read with them before because beetle is this isn't really a version of beetle we've seen before Mm -hmm. like the tone of voice the technology to the level of he strips naked and the costume gets added onto him. That's not really something we've seen for beetle. Right. But I don't care because I like the book that much. Yeah. It all works.
0: Yeah. Paul, I, was, I mean, you know, th- this kind of goes back to what I was saying about DC versus vampires, uh, both on issue four. Um, I think for me, this, this is where the book hit its stride. Like I really genuinely, um, thought this was the best issue of the series so far. Like you said, yeah. so much is, not spoken for a, a super wordy book because yeah. and I think that's the point right I think the yeah. the point is we are going to throw so much dialogue both um mm-hmm. you know ca- between characters as well as, as the uh, you know the the inner monologue that that the main character has that you know you you may you may miss it but like everything that is important to this book basically happens visually right um you know, with the only, you know, I guess, revelation that actually happens near the end as it relates to, um, you know, the, what 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 Beetle has has told our our, our hero, our main character about how, uh, you know, who's financing Booster's bagel shop. Well, ish.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. So, I, I mean, I thought it was great. You know, I mean, I'm trying not to spoil things, but it, it is absolutely uh, a, a great issue.
1: It really is. And just. It- yeah, I, if you you gotta pick up Human Target. If you're not reading any other comic book right now, you really should be reading Human Target. It's just fantastic, and it is worth the cover price. Don't wait for the trade. Get it now. It's fantastic, particularly the first these first uh, four issues of the book. So
0: well, and for someone like me who has Tom King issues, um,
2: I love Tom King, but I also hate Tom King. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you his know, stuff I, is typically just much better to read and trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been the I'm, exception for me. I love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, because I was wait. I'm. I waited on um, Strange Adventures. Yeah. Yeah. Strange Adventures until the series was done. Instead of reading it individually, um, and and I, I like Adam Strange a hell of a lot more than I like the Human Target. But right. you know, this book just demands to be read. Right.
1: Well, highly so. recommended. This week. The Death of Doctor Strange wrapped up with issue number five. Uh, I'm really curious to hear what you guys thought about this book. So, uh, Paul, tell us what you thought. <sighs>
0: <laughs> I know Wayne and I are going to disagree on this book um, because I think Wayne loves this book, and I really didn't. Uh, I, I felt like – I felt like, for me, they spent – after reading this book, it felt like to me that it should have been six issues or they should have spent less time navel gazing in some of the other issues. Um, maybe the preference would have been six issues because too much happened in this book that as soon as this book came out, the stakes were gone. And I understand you know, that it still ends with the death of Doctor Strange and all that, but like – for me, you know, you killed the character when you kill a character twice in the same miniseries, spoilers, um, you know, within the same five issues. You know, you, one, you've, you've already lost the emotional impact. I know they tried to sell it, but it didn't work for me. And two, jamming what amounted to be one of, you know, the superhero's greatest, um, you know, threats with those magical characters into the span of half a comic book, you know, relatively dialogue free. I don't know. It did like it, it lost any, uh, for me, um, impact, you know, any stakes to it. So oh, my, I know
2: Wayne loved it. Yep. My counterpoint on that is that the battle and the combat was never the focus of the book. The book has always been about the impact of the death of Doctor Strange. And that's where they spend the most time in this is dealing with that. They gave us a very plausible way to bring him back. And I, thought I would that not was brilliant. Uh, I thought yeah, that I would,
1: the, the, the way of bringing Dr. Strange back, I mean, I was like, okay, that
2: is so damn cool. It's yeah, gnarly I I don't and it's cool. Yeah. yeah, I had no issue at all with him coming back that way. And the twist that he doesn't and that he is dead was not one I saw coming either. And I appreciated it. And it led to Cleo becoming the new Sorcerer Supreme. I mean, this was all about the impact of the character and his death. And for me, that was the strong point of it. I didn't care about the superhero battle. It was the thing you had to get out of the way to deal with the story beats.
1: You know, I I uh, I think I'm somewhere between the two of you on this one. Um, I did really enjoy the wrap up. I do feel like it would have benefited from a sixth issue so that some of this could have been, uh, you know, wrapped up a little bit because I do feel like we shuffled – the child and the three mothers off the stage too quickly uh, in in this book. I mean, I felt like there should have been a a, a longer, more drawn out uh, conflict there, and certainly some planning. Uh, like particularly, I felt like the you know the Avengers and and who all that show up are really just so far in the background. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more engagement with them in what was going on. But, you know, I, I very much appreciated the how clever the resurrection of Stephen Strange was. And, you know, you're you're you had this moment like, OK, we get our Doctor Strange back. And the story is true because Doctor Strange did die. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you know, the uh, the uh, uh, Doctor Strange master of the black arts is going to die. So, yeah, OK, that 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 is also in keeping with the title. And then it's a really a very big surprise to me anyway, that, uh, Dr. Strange goes off the table as well. You know, current Dr. Strange, because, you know, death won't be cheated so easily. And I, I really thought that was well-structured story. Uh, I do think you could have had a title called the deaths of Dr. Strange, uh, b- because you lost both of these guys. I, Overall, I I really enjoyed this series and I like what it's setting up. You know, I don't generally enjoy the, you know, let's take our character off and and put a new costume in, but I do think Clea makes sense in taking on his mantle and he literally gives her his cloak uh, and and the Eye of Agamotto. Um, My only concern about that is that she is also the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension. So she gets to wear two titles now. And she has two scopes of responsibility. And I bring so, that up yeah. because
0: beca- it gets the same paycheck. I'm just putting that out there.
1: Well, right. That's how it works in corporate America, right? <laughs> At Sorcerer Supreme dot com. This is how you get paid. You get to do more work, same pay. And I'd like to point <laughs> out that Dr. Strange had a hard time keeping up with his chores. And he was just the, the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth, not the <laughs> Sorcerer Supreme of two realms. Just
2: saying. <laughs> Well, I got to say, as the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension, she didn't really do a good job seeing as what she's supposed to keep in check came through in the last, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy storyline. You know, that was in the previous
1: evaluation year. That's really doesn't apply to this year. You know, so we didn't talk about goals. Well, understand she
2: failed upwards. She yeah, failed exactly. Job, so she got a promotion. That is how we do things in corporate how it works? Works. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: Well, nice. I am. I am definitely going to pick up the first issue of Strange, the new Strange book. Um, you, you know, know regardless of. I think it's just called Strange.
1: Oh yeah, it lies in get you some
0: it's a ditch uh-huh yeah
1: yeah uh, you know I, I i was interested i was reading the uh the blurb at the back of the book and it says dr strange is dead and a new Sorceress supreme has taken the title or should we say sorceress and you know in uh our, our, our current environment and political correctness we don't call uh women actors actresses anymore we call them actors and i wonder if this yeah. is also a thing that we'd, we shouldn't call women sorcerers sorceresses i don't know just That's saying true.
0: they should be just you know favorite female sorcerer <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, somewhat magic user type person, <laughs> non-gender specific magic user type person. Yeah. There we go. But I
0: mean, Jed McKay, you know, did a great job uh, in the series overall. Like I said, you know, I didn't love the way that the storyline wrapped up, but I still enjoyed the overall five issues. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. And, you know, I'm a fan of the writer. And I think it's they even said, is it uh, is it the same artist as well on the um, the the Lee Garbit? Is he? No, a new artist, Marcello yeah. Fer- Ferreira. Yeah. So, we shall see.
1: Who has been working on The Amazing Spider-Man. So if you like the, the art over there. Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. That Spider-Man, he's amazing. Just saying. <laughs> hey, Paul.
0: <laughs> yes, sir.
1: What's coming out next week? Well, our funny books.
0: I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this. One of our funny books favorite ongoing series of 2021 kicks off their major event of 2022, Fantastic Four Reckoning War Alpha from Dan Slott and Carlos Pacheco. 15 years in the making and it all kicks off here. Um, starts next week in the pages mm-hmm. of that. Um, if that, you know, if, if you're, if you haven't gotten enough of larger sized books, the <laughs> Geiger 80 page giant. Kim uh, comes out next week, you know, continuing Jeff Johns Geiger tales, but with stories from throughout the universe, introducing new characters um, that will also get their own series. So some of the creative teams on there include Jeff Johns, Brian Hitch, Gary Frank, Jay Farber, Sterling Gates, Pete Tomasi, um, Kelly Jones, Paul Pelletier, Joe Prado. I mean, just, you know, a murderer's row of talent in the uh, 80 page giant
1: Geiger. Did you ever finish that series, Aaron? Um, yes, I did. I did. Yeah. I did. Don't, I'm not lying to you. I did. I finished that. Yeah. Yeah. It was was fine. I wouldn't lie to you. No, No, I did. I, Uh, but you know, I, I, I really enjoy the uh, storytelling and the artwork. It just wasn't the best of either person's work. Agreed.
0: Um, Yeah. It was, it was, it was fine for a first arc, but it wasn't, uh, you know, like when you have Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, especially coming off of Doomsday Clock, I expected more.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it started better than it ended. Yeah. Like sex, but you yeah, who knew also. that?
1: Uh, <laughs> who knew that it was going to launch into a whole, you know, uh, world, you know, a whole, a whole, uh, you know, comic book, you know, uh, uh, universe. So I, I'm Guy-verse. I'm interested to see how that shakes out.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to guy eighty yeah. page giant. Um, also from DC Comics, things that I'm looking forward to: Dark Knights of Steel issue four, very much looking forward to that. Yeah. World of Krypton issue three. Yes. Um. I think we're out on it, but Justice League Incarnate issue four comes out as well. And uh, a book that I'm the only one reading, Batman um, from Joshua Williamson and uh, Jorge Molina and Michael Janine uh, comes out. This is I I really enjoyed the prior issue. So I am I'm I'm still on. Plus, it has a backup feature, a Gotham Academy adventure from Carl Kershaw.
1: Very exciting. It sounds like lots of good stuff coming out next week. Yes, sir. All right. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books or this week's episode of Boba Fett. Give us a call. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise.
0: You can also hit us up on social media, I O M Geek on Facebook, Instagram,
1: and Twitter. What a deal. Well, hey, guys, let's do this again next week and maybe with another excellent episode of The Book of Boba Fett without Boba Fett. Perhaps, if we're lucky. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.
2: My first one was uh, (laughs) right right next door to the laundromat, so I would go with my mom when she did laundry, and it was in the corner of a video rental place.